Well, I bring you God's grace and mercy and peace in his holy and majestic name. Amen. I want to begin by thinking about an event that happened in 1962. There was a Russian sub that was lingering just off the coastal waters of Florida. Uh, this sub was Russian man, and it came straight from Moscow, where it was birthed in the frigid waters of the Siberian area. Because it was created there, it had insulation on insulation. And it was sent over in 1962 to just hang out around the American territories. Well, as the story goes, the sub was lurking in the Florida waters, which were much more warm than the waters it had come from. And because it had all this extra insulation, the sub reached temperatures of 120 degrees for three weeks straight. The Russians lost communication with the outside world as all their instruments started to malfunction. Well, as the story goes, the commander of the sub who was sent on the mission threw up his hands and said, I'm hot, let's just execute our mission and fire these three missiles on three American cities and go home. A debate broke out and truly by the grace of God, a man named Vasilis was able to talk to the commander of the sub and let some reason seep down into his brain. World War III was averted. This true story culminated in the Russian sub turning around and going back home as the fingers danced around that magical little red button that would have launched a catastrophic event for all of humanity. I tell you that to tell you this for today. Sometimes we need people in our lives to come and speak some reason into our lives and have some of that reason seep down into our brains. We might be dancing, twitching with our little fingers around a little red button in our own lives to push it and press it and hopefully launch some missiles at things and people in our lives. Yes, the things and people in our lives do not actually get bombs dropped on them. But we do launch our own verbal missiles, don't we? And we receive volleys of them back. Oh, you know how they go. It's the sleepless nights as we are worrying about our marriage that is on the rocks. Maybe it's about the business we're not sure is going to stay alive. The kid that we're not sure is going to stay alive. Maybe some of you are in college and you are stressed out beyond imagination of how this semester is going and you make decisions that are not the best and most God-pleasing in this world. The financial headwinds that we face, the visa card bill that is coming due next month. It's tempting to push that little red button just there on the side to say and speak things and walk away and say, who cares? But today, we get a voice much better than a guy named Vasilis. We get the voice of Jesus Christ. And God from heaven says, listen to him that hopefully reason would seep into our brains and we would live a life of holiness. 
Uh, this is a famous story from the Holy Scriptures for today. It's, it's the time where Jesus is transfigured, trans, that word that means movement, change, something is happening, a figuration. It's the appearance of Jesus. Jesus' appearance has changed. And he is standing up there on this mountain, changed and is dazzling white like never before. Jesus goes up to this mountain with three of his disciples. For you see, he has these 12 followers he often hangs out with in the Holy Scriptures, but there are three people, his inner group, Peter, James, and John. He often goes on excursions with them, and this is no no, uh, no faulty example. He goes up to the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and there Jesus is transfigured like never before. A cloud comes and surrounds the mountain. Moses from the Old Testament appears, and Elijah from the Old Testament appears, and in the midst of all of this going on, the voice from heaven booms, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. This causes me, and I'm sure you, to think of many events in the Holy Scriptures where uh, these images pop up. Clouds that come down from the holy heavens and descend on mountains makes us think of Moses in the wilderness where God led his people of Israel by a pillar of cloud by day. And that cloud would descend on Mount Sinai when Moses was given the Ten Commandments. Moses, who represents all of the law and the commands that God gave to his people, and Elijah, who is a stand-in for all of the prophets, these two people represent the entire Old Testament, and they are standing before Jesus. And then Peter and James and John, the leaders of the early church, are standing there. And in the midst of all of them, in the midst of Moses and Elijah and all of the New Testament leaders, God says in their midst, this is the guy we should listen to. Not just Moses, not just Elijah, not just Peter and James and John, but this guy. That we might follow him and have some reason seep down into our brains. Peter, in the story, was someone who needed this reason for today. Uh, Peter was someone who was always stumbling and fumbling along uh, the way here on the mountainside. He just squeaked out, uh, Jesus, it is good. It is good that we are here for today, isn't it? He was so terrified, the scriptures say, he doesn't even know how to respond, and he squeaks out a meager, it is good. For Peter's profound comment as we hear this for tonight. But even more than that, Peter would be someone who would stumble and fall. Just a few chapters earlier in the gospel, Jesus was standing with Jesus Christ and, and Jesus told him that, Peter, now I'm going to have to go away and I will suffer and I will die, but don't worry, I'm coming back to life again. Peter was beside himself in this story. Because Peter, when he heard this message, he was thinking that the glory of God was right up in the heavens, and, and the glory of Jesus would be his triumphant kingdom. But instead, Jesus said, my glory is right here on earth and is me dying on a cross. And Peter, if you're standing in the way of that mission, you're not up to the things of God, you're up to the things of the devil. Get away from me then, Peter. Peter would be the same person who would deny Jesus not once, not twice, but three times the night of his betrayal by swearing that he never even knew the man. But God didn't give up on Peter. And God 
doesn't give up on us. God would take Peter's obtuseness about the mission of Jesus Christ. He would take his rejection of him and he would take all of those sins and our sins and take it to the cross so that we might not push that big nuclear red button over here. And it said that Christ would die for those sins when we don't and even when we do push it. And if Jesus is willing to do that for our sins, how much more is he willing to do incredible things for our salvation? The things that are still yet to come that are beyond our wildest imaginations. God wants us to hear the voice of Jesus for today so that we might let that reason seep in. You know, this week in American culture, there is a football game going on. I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, the second grade table here at St. Paul Lutheran Church is abuzz uh, with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs fans. And in honor of them, and a little bit of segue into a point I'd like to make, I want to share with you just a few brief examples and statistics from the Super Bowl this weekend. Did you know? 200, a million, 200 million American adults will watch the game tomorrow. $17 billion will be spent on Super Bowl parties. The top three favorite snacks of Super Bowl goers are chips and dip, buffalo wings, and a side of ranch, and pizzas. Sorry for you veggie lovers out there, you did not crack the top three. Staggering still, 17 million Americans will call in sick on Monday. Please don't be one of those. Let the words of Jesus seep in for tonight. But finally, and the point I'd like to make for tonight is this. The most staggering number of all. Even though 200 million people will watch the Super Bowl game this weekend, there is approximately 8 million Americans who will attend church this weekend. God wants us and calls us to hear the voice of Jesus. My point for tonight and the point that we constantly make here is the voice of Jesus is certainly heard out in our communities, but it is heard fully here. As we get to hear from the Holy Scriptures, the words of what Jesus intended for us thousands of years ago and how it's still applicable for us here tonight. We get to see the promises of Jesus this weekend as little Aspen is baptized in the waters of Jesus. And we get to see Jesus when we have Holy Communion up here and we get to feast on his true body and his true blood. Truly, no matter what we do in this world, God calls and beckons his people always back to this central location as it is the epitome of what he wants for us. This, transfigure, this transfiguration of Jesus certainly may mean many things, but at the heart of it is this call to listen to him. I want to close with this final reflection. In the book of Hebrews, uh, we hear about another holy mountain of God. Uh, certainly, there are a lot of mountains in the scriptures. There's Mount Sinai. There's the, uh, the Mountain of Olives. Jesus goes up on Mount Tabor. Uh, there's Mountain of Golgotha. And here we hear of another mountain, Mount Zion, Mount Jerusalem, where God's people are driving to for that final day. Let me hear it. Let me read this for you from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in festival gathering, 
and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God who is the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of our new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better word than the blood of Abel. As we see in this scripture reading for tonight, it's often seen as a poetry. Now, the scriptures are littered with poetry, and this one in particular is called a chiasm. It's seven statements in a row, and these seven statements are to be seen as a poetry unit. The first statement sets up the whole thing. Uh, the middle statement, statement number four, has it hang all together, and statement number seven is what the whole thing is driving towards. This poetry is found all the time in the Holy Scriptures. But I want to share this with you for today because on this mountain of transfiguration, it is an event not that we would see Jesus and have something to speak about at a cocktail party. This event for tonight is to transform our lives, to see something better that we might see through Jesus and what is to come. Here's what this poetry is supposed to symbolize for us for tonight. Uh, the first of those seven statements is this, that we are to come to Mount Zion and stand on that holy ground. Statement two, over us are angels. And statement three, with us is that universal church. Statement four, how the whole thing hangs together. In front of us is our judge who is Christ Jesus, and around us is our departed brothers, for statement seven, the point that we might have Christ as our final mediator. God speaks from heaven for today and says, listen to Jesus for those times when our fingers are itching and twitching around the big red nuclear buttons in our lives. God says, listen to Jesus when unfortunately we do push those big red nuclear buttons and drop those big old bombs on others. Because Jesus' words for tonight are not just, don't touch the button, but Jesus' words for tonight are also this. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are a cherished child of God. You are redeemed in the blood of Christ. You are purchased in one. You are something special. The words of Jesus matter, that, that reason might seep down into our brains, but much more important is the word of forgiveness that Jesus speaks to you. And no matter what happens with the buttons in our lives and the bombs that people drop on us, we are the children of God who know where our final mountain and resting place will be. In that new Jerusalem, that new Zion, that mountain where we will be with God forever. As we close out our time in the word for today, I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are the giver of all good and gracious gifts. Thank you for this word that you speak to us for tonight through your son, Jesus. Help us to ever cling to the message of salvation that is found exclusively in him. Lord, help us to flee from the sin and bad decisions that we are so fraught and tempted to make. And Lord, when others sin against us, to turn the other cheek that we might not follow their example, but might be good Christian witnesses. But in all things, Lord, that as we gather together tonight, the most important thing that we will hear is that we are forgiven. Help us to live in this grace and to share that good news with a world that desperately needs to hear this message as well. 
We pray this in your Son's most holy and precious name. Amen.